Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the County Bureau Field Report. The County Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family. That's B-L-E-A-V. That is the name of our podcast network, and that is why the name of this podcast is Weird. It's Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report, I think, still. And, um, you know, maybe it would be a holiday gift to just give us a name that I intended and uh, not use it as a play to sell ads. But the ads are nice, so thank you, Believe. Um, On to this week's guest. Uh... A, a wonderful man uh, whose face is always uh, brightens my day whenever I see it. Very funny improviser, co like uh, one of the instrumental people in the Westside Comedy Theater, and the founder and operator of the brand new shiny and very cozy Glendale Room. Please give it up for Sean Casey, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, you're very, very welcome. Um, <laughs> over a decade of impromptu intros, you get you get okay at it. Uh, yeah, got yeah. nailed it. This is how I want the world to know me. Yeah, great. Um, it is funny to me because there there are a lot of newbies uh, coming out of lockdown, and people are kind of just you know shaking off cobwebs, shaking off the dust. And there's a distinct amount of people that still do not know how to say the name at the end of an introduction. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I yeah, you think. Oh my goodness. I'll just have a little laugh. So you right. know I'm here. Like just a little like <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But that's like day one stuff. Like you, you don't have to be good at anything to just know that like you gotta put the name at the end. Yeah. Put yeah. The, put the put the name at the end. They're, don't be don't be weird about it. These people. Yeah. These humans. How's it going, John? It's good. It's good. Today is uh you know, a a weathery day for Los mm-hmm. Angeles, which mm-hmm. I feel throws everybody uh you know right. sideways right backwards right, right. um but it's good it's yeah. good like i it reminds me that it's not all groundhog's day nice. <laughs> yeah is that the feeling that you get without seasons here groundhog day uh yeah yeah totally you just wake up and you look at your hands and you're like these are an old man's hands uh-huh. <laughs> and you're like oh 15 years have gone by oh that's cool right i like to uh, tell people that we do have seasons here uh, we have pilot season. Old, it's not even my joke. That's a old <laughs> construction fire. Uh, yeah, and then fi- fire fire season that we don't Why? we don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> I I realized that the other because it is you know whatever lightly wintry around here. Um, I was smelling like wood smoke from like a neighbor's chimney. That mm. kind of thing, right. and instead it instilled me with panic. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like the hills. I think L.A.'s attitude towards wildfire, specifically L.A., uh, is like a great preview of what's to come with climate change. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're on the four. Right. Of, yeah. Yeah. Meaning like I mean, for the listeners who don't know, uh, if you're not in L.A., uh, you know, wildfires happen around us because they happen in California because of climate change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whenever they happen in L.A., if you live in the city, people just do not care. They just go about their day. Yep. You go out your front door. You go like, oh, Beijing today. Right. You know, like it's just that that sort of haze where you're like, oh, well. Yep. Glad we're still doing masks. <laughs> yeah. Glad we're still doing masks. 
And you know it's a fire when the moon is red. Oh, yeah. There's, there's probably a, like a naval expression that covers <laughs> this. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, but, you know, uh, we're, we're not currently experiencing any wildfires right now, so that's that's nice. Um, you are how how many weeks months are you into your uh, brand new shiny Glendale room? Yeah, yeah, I'll do like like baby. I'm like we're forty eight months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are two months old. Yep, two months. Wow. How, so months. how's it been? It's good. Yeah, it um, it's a great time for the next chapter of comedy to be happening. Right. You know, it's it's great. Um. There's been so many shows and people mm -hmm. who have said something along the lines of, oh, this is, you know, the first time I've been out of the house in two years. This is right. the first time I've been back on stage in two years. Right. And just to be part of that uh, that time for someone is that feels really like special. Right. You know, somebody's like first moment back on a mic and, you right. know, right. That's cool. Right. And I've. When I've seen those people, it's very clear when it's their absolute, absolute first time back performing. Yeah. You can feel how, like, energized and almost, like, overly tense they are. Yeah. It's same for crowds, too. Right. Like, people would be like, um, it's 8 o'clock, time to start the show. And they're like, <laughs> like, oh, okay, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll settle in. It'll be great. You know? <laughs> yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah, it, it is. It, it's still a wild and crazy time, and it will be for a while. I I saw an improv show probably two months ago at the Silver Lake Lounge. It was packed shoulder to shoulder. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I saw a couple. I mean, everyone was wearing masks, so that was nice. And it was vaccinated only, uh, which was nice. Yes. But I saw this couple. They, like, w looked worried at each other, for like, like, just shooting each other looks for probably, like, three minutes. And then they left. Oh, they had that moment yeah. of like, of like, I think we're ready for this. I now no. Yeah. 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 But also like, you're already inside with all those people. You 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 put your money down. There's no returns. You know, like <laughs> they're, they're unringing the bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't like you know uh, you already put the risk in to, for exposure. So like, just stay and have a good time. No, I I absolutely get it. Um, we had grandparents come to visit. Uh, uh, our my in laws come to visit, um, mm -hmm. and our whole family went to Disneyland. It was right. like a couple of weeks ago, right. and we were in line for the Jungle Cruise. Right. Clearly popular. Thank you to The Rock and right. you know that wonderful uh, movie. Mm -hmm. And we were in line like you know, uh, butt to snout, and I was like, oh, it happened. Uh -huh. like too many people it broke me like yeah. i'm i'm different uh-oh you know just, just go breathe in a paper bag for a little bit <laughs> get back on the jungle cruise Ooh. oh so you got back oh yeah i'm making it sound like i you know like jumped a turnstile or something right right, right. No, i just had a you know mm. internal stealing moment <laughs> um yeah, I thought you had jumped a turnstile and then you'd had to get back in line and then re-traumatize yourself again. <laughs> right, which feels like a super metaphorical to comedy ride, right? Like, right. like you're like, I'm convincing myself I want to sit on this boat while somebody slings jokes at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Wait, do they, do they have they incorporated The Rock and Emily Blunt into the ride now? Uh, not them specifically, but the rides like got all new stuff. This is I want to spend all forty five minutes on this. Sure, this, <laughs> <laughs> this is just gonna be one long right. uh, streaming now. Uh, no, it's it's got like all new animatronics and right. you know, uh, they took out some of the more problematic areas. Got it. Uh, you'll notice some new skin shades on <laughs> the people that are off the boat, which is of course necessary and good. Right. Um, what it? Are you familiar with that ride? Uh, from like childhood, yeah. Do you remember? There's a section where there's like um, like a rhino kind of like doing his horn up and yeah, down yeah, yeah. and it's a sequence of people who have climbed a tree right and before it was you know clearly uh all of these like cartoony awful uh you know like dark skin sort of folks right and you're like ha 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 like it's never gonna get better for you guys uh, and they since switched it but it you do wonder like what was the internal conversation of like Who's where in which order? Like, right. Who's in the middle? Who's on the top? Like, right. where's this red haired lady live? You yeah, know? Yeah. It's like, and just, I don't know, looking at a diorama of that or a sketchup of that and like, and, and really having a, a, a very expensive concert in an ex expensive concert uh, conference room thinking like, is this really funny? Yeah. Cause if you look at it, like it's clearly the joke is somebody the, nature is going to enact violence on someone's butthole right like that's that's the implication it's like oh which one in which order right sort of thing so yeah i'm with you i don't know if we <laughs> we need that covered right i wonder if anyone's thought of that as like a vaguely pro-colonial take of just like oh, oh look, yeah 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 look look i mean the colonizers come and make everything better huh Right, right. Also, that's my dad's take. Um, that's why I bring that up. Yeah, I never ask him, uh, or like, I, I never uh, start a, conversa a conversation about it necessarily. But he'll always like mentioning that um, the British brought the, the uh, India trains, and that's that's a good thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, well, like, I don't know. Do you want to go in a pro-cons balance sheet? I mean, I think, yeah, sure, but also yeah, a but bunch of other stuff. At what cost trains? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, they would have gotten there eventually. Yeah. Sure. Or then you get to the point where you don't want trains for some dumb reason. California, get with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I do, do, did you do you like taking trains? Do you miss taking trains or something? There's uh right the Surfliner. We have that awesome train mm -hmm. that I'm always like, "Oh, I should just take the Surfliner." You know, the next time right. that you think you want to get to the ocean and uh and I get so close. We get so close and then it hits some weird point because it's like not cheap. It's like going to Catalina. Right, it's right. Yeah, you think it would be cheap because it's an old timey way of transportation. Absolutely. N nope. Yeah, they're like, no, seventy bucks a person. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, I just, I want to do the right thing. I want to be a good guy in this. But R right, you know. right. No, I want. I was. Uh, I think I'm gonna go to Portland over the holidays uh, to see some friends. And I was money's very tight, so I was looking up trains as like maybe this would be cheap. Yeah. And there there's a uh, there is like um, a specific train line that goes up the Pacific coast. 
Um, I think it's called a Coast Starliner or something like that. And so they have uh, nice names. They have nice names, but like for you know, it's it takes like a few days to do it. What? Right. Like it takes to Portland. It takes a day. So like, you can pay for a room, which starts at like nine hundred. <laughs> what? Because you're, it's like you're paying. Wait, for, is that a joke price or is that a real price? That's a real price. Holy, wow. Yeah, but then like, oh, if you don't want to do that and you just want to spend the day in a chair, uh huh, with a table, huh. yeah, it's like four or five hundred. That's nuts. It's that can't not, be right. Yeah, and it's like, well, how am I? Why is this is not saving time or money? It takes longer. Is it? I mean, does it exist? Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, we're clearly the people who are going to solve this issue. Sure, um, but like, okay, so airlines are like super subsidized, so there's you know some kind of price fixing in there. Right. But is there a price, like a price premium built into trains because trains don't ask any questions? Right. Like I feel like trains, like if you're like, I don't know, uh, I gotta have both of my legs made out of M16s. Like, right. Like the trains, like sure, come on, like nobody's right. gonna give you a hard time i wonder i mean that's greyhound's whole deal totally <laughs> yeah they're like you be wearing the drugs you know <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah eat drugs while you're in here yeah right use that uh uh oh god what was this famous drug dealer who got uh escobar there's an escobar somebody who's descended from an escobar made their own brand of smartphones uh-huh. So you can have an Escobar branded smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like goes just perfect with uh traveling the country on a Greyhound. Yeah. Yeah. The second you pull that out, like people are like, Okay, I mean, you made me uh search you now. Right. Oh, right. My Escobar phone. Yeah. Uh I think part of what might be working into the price, and yeah, this is a comedy podcast, guys. Um, is that Amtrak kinda has a monopoly a little bit. Like, oh, is that it? Well, like what other train line do you even know of? I thought they were like a public utility or something. Is Amtrak well, wouldn't it be called like U US trains or something? It um the Am is America, right? Isn't it like yeah, but the the track part is spelled wrong. <laughs> like a like a corporation they were in a would hurry. do. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, it's like a cheese whiz. Like they're yeah. like, yeah. like if we take out the C, they don't have to be real tracks. It uh -huh. could be yeah. Kit Kats or whatever. Right. Um. Yeah. Or I wonder. Well, now I want to go look this up. If like A M T R A C was like already something else. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, there's like one guy like you got to pay me a bunch of money. Yeah, I, I, uh, my whole company is uh, responsible for laying pavement on racetracks, so uh, I'm not gonna change the name. <laughs> Wait, what are these paved race? Oh, yeah, for cars. I know. I'm like a thousand <laughs> years old. Like, I'm like the horses and the dogs. They don't run on yeah. asphalt. <laughs> yeah. No, but somebody still has to clear that out. You know. Yeah. Um. Anyhow. I want to get back to everything you uh, you've been doing the Glendale room, which I will reiterate is so cozy, guys. Um, if you Thank if you. you're if you're tired of the like just sheer black walls that are probably very dirty of a black box theater. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. You don't have to clean that. Yeah, no, that it is one of like uh, a thing a thing I absolutely do not want to do that I had thought of years ago. That, 
um, to tour the comedy store with a black light. Oh no! Don't do no. that! Don't <laughs> don't do that! This is gonna be bad. This is gonna be real, real bad. Even pre-COVID, uh, that was gonna be awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it all fluids that show in a black light? Oh boy. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fluids. Definitely blood. Oh sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. People yeah. like, yeah, that's that's the whole point. Yeah. If you guys watch that Showtime mini doc series about the comedy store, which is informative but weird, uh, yeah, that's it, it's not a clean place by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and I think it's good of you to point that out. We're exactly the same. You're right. <laughs> this is. And I was pointing out that you apples. were di- different. What? Okay, yeah, now that you're saying that, yeah, okay, I'll go with that. Uh, yeah, we're, the the thought is to have a cozy room for comedy. Yeah. We've been in lockdown. Uh, we all got really used to our private spaces and our living rooms, and, mm-hmm. and I figured um, have a space where performance is happening, but where it still vibes a little bit more like, Right. Like your living room, a little more conversational. Right. Um, was that really the inception of like your design for this? Yeah, yeah. I knew. Well, I knew what kind of the the size of the available space was, mm-hmm. and it was like, uh, okay, if yes, then mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. So right. that was the the thought when it comes to um, all the books. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of the the whole wall to wall book thing. There's some um, because it's covered in books, guys. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I, you're like, what do, you, what do you mean? I mean exactly that. <laughs> Just wall to wall tomes and yeah, all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, there's, let's see, there's, um, there's a funny version to it. There's a kind of sad version, which, uh, hilarious for comedy. Uh-huh. Um, and all of it, it kind of rolls into one. Um, which is that uh, I love reading. People in my family love reading. I feel. Mm-hmm happy in libraries i grew up in libraries if okay. you're like a kid who you know kind of that's where you went after school and like that was a right. place for you right right um that's that's a thing that i really like and uh-huh. um and connect a lot with right. uh and then sort of during this time all the top end of the generation on one side of my family uh all departed oh, i'm so sorry uh, yeah uh, you know, and uh, they love to read, and mm-hmm. so I thought, um, I thought it would be a nice, you know, sort of, uh, just sort of a, uh, a way to think about them while building something new, to try to make something that I thought they would, uh, they'd appreciate. Yeah, that's very, that's very sweet. Thanks and hilarious, right? <laughs> uh huh. Um, well, I do think yeah. this would, if the last bookstore actually had a proper venue instead of just putting a stage in the middle of the goddamn store. Oh yeah, which is such a cool, gorgeous space. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's like, uh, people could still shop during the show. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is. I for those who don't know, the last bookstore is uh, one of LA's oldest bookstores and a, a, ma- a truly magical place. Yeah, it's a converted, uh, oh, was it like a bank lobby? Yeah. Two stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have that big open, you right. know, sort of interior that's, what is it? It's like marble floors. And right. Is there a bank door with a vault that has books in it? Yes, there is. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, rooms of books that are 
so I think beyond circulation that right, they're just right. organized by like thickness. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like they've gone beyond topic. <laughs> they're just, um, but yeah, you you can catch up just about everything and the collection in here mm -hmm. uh, mostly stems from all of the retired books mm -hmm. um, from a school system mm -hmm. that uh, that was like deep out in the desert. And um, there's there's a fun mix of books where you're like, oh yeah, like you should clearly you know want to flip this every now and then. Like, mm -hmm. what's up with Chaucer? You know, mm -hmm. like have we. Have we dipped into, you know, the Knight's Tale lately? Sure, sure. Yeah, we, The Handmaid's Tale, that's, it's getting enough shine. Let's go to the other tales. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The Handmaid's Tale is not one of the Canterbury Tales, though, right? I mean, there is, I thought there was, like, a handmaiden in the Canterbury Tales, and then, like, Margaret Atwood wrote her perspective. Oh, I love it. I thought that's what was happening. See, I was like... Man, I guess I just spent too much time with like the wife of Bath, where I was like, "Oh yeah, Chaucer's got all these liberated ladies. This is, you know, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah." But the handmaiden was there. Is a connection. Oh, no. There is a connection to Chaucer with it somehow. It's not like direct, direct, but yeah. Damn it, Jake! I gotta read more of these books. <laughs> we gotta stop now. I gotta. Yeah, you want to go time. read your Britannica encyclopedia collection? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably all out of date and inaccurate. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, it's like everybody needs to eat their radium. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. East and West Germany. Yeah, yeah. some of, <laughs> some of the histories uh, people have been quick to point out. Mm -hmm. You know, there's titles like... Um, why the Russians are the way they are. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of a series. <laughs> Wait, Sean, is there an improv show just where the team pulls a book and does a scene? Oh, yeah, like they just play by the book? Yeah, yeah. We haven't done it yet, but... Um, that Craig, seems like it should yeah. happen. Yeah. Craig and Carly Kukowski were, were in last night doing their orange tuxedo show, and he he went to the, to the well a couple of times. He pulled out uh, vermin, lice, and their place in history uh, <laughs> he pulled out uh, -huh. uh and quickly put back a book called eskimo doctor which <laughs> i think that was the right call <laughs> sure sure <laughs> uh, some of the books like like you're like yes that should have been retired and and some of them never made it in the room because i was like we don't need the biography of g gordon liddy farewell <laughs> like <laughs> There's some, some awful books. Was it the biography or was it the autobiography of G. Gordon Liddy? <laughs> yeah, Liddy on Liddy. It yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Wow. Awful. Um, but some of them, you know, uh, mm. are really fun discoveries. Mm -hmm. Just, it, yeah, like a lot of verse, a lot of uh, old formats, you know, right. that you might not have. Uh, I don't know. Right. L what was the Coen Brothers movie that uh, came out on Netflix, the Western one? Oh, um Oh God! It had a long title, right? Yeah, and those that format reminded me of that whole you know kind of adventure western right. sort of series where like you know you'd at the beginning of the story there'd be one of those um, onion skin pages mm -hmm. and you'd flip it and there'd be like a super dope color plate right. You're like, oh, this is awesome, and then you read the the rest of the thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it was an anthology. I remember that. Well, yeah, it, books are just... The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Exactly. Yes. And there's something tactile, right, about mm -hmm. books, and there's something in person about uh, 
performance that feels right you know there's there's something that connects those two when you come and see it and be a part of it and uh you know we'll we'll go back and we'll watch succession episodes and you know like live the rest of our life but mm-hmm. th- there is something nice about you know combining the two right I do want to hear more about that, and maybe we'll even peruse some of the books as I'm sitting here on a very comfy couch. Um, but how about we do some comedy news? Love it. Great. First on the docket, Deadline reports Ashley Nicole Black uh, signs an overall deal with Warner Brother TV. Uh, the latest thing that you would probably know Ashley for is writing on Ted Lasso, but she also has been a correspond- uh, correspondent and writer on uh, Full Frontal with S- Sam B. And um, she, uh, right before the, uh this uh, was a writer and a cast member on a Black Lady sketch show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, I think one of the more notable sketches she did was uh, being a spy and then running yes. into Nicole Byer and nobody, all the white people not being able to tell the difference between two of them. Yeah, and otherwise she was, like, invisible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Um I mean, it, it's it's always exciting when there's somebody who has been in the spotlight and like uh, has you know shown up and done great work and now is going to get an overall deal. But and we'll, we'll see what they do with it. Yeah, yeah. I always hope that they do all like all the things. It's usually they lead off with like a pilot. Oh yeah, or a I movie. Feel, yeah, I feel like they're like, you know, you've got a song in your heart. You right. Know, we just yeah. Right. Right. Got to hear it. Yeah. Uh, if you're not familiar with Ashley Nicole Black, go watch her stuff on uh, Full Frontal with Samantha Bee and uh, Black Lady Sketch Show. It's very fun. And, uh, you know, I guess the sky's the limit in terms of, you know, I, I mean, I, I would o- I would love to have the feeling of, like, you sign an overall deal and then you just, like, I mean, that's giving you the platform to, like, literally do whatever you want. Yeah, it feels like... Um I mean, it probably doesn't work like this at all. Mm-hmm. This is this is how how close I am to all of the success is, uh, like it feels like a MacArthur grant, right, right? You know, like it's like a recognition of like we we think there's something about you, and yeah. here's you know room to yeah get to the next thing. Yeah, we like you so much. Uh, we don't even want to hear all your ideas yet. Just like here's money, and uh, do stuff. Does it come with? Is it like? Is it also like kind of like a like a locking you in kind of thing too? Uh, yeah, it, for, depending on the deal, I mean, everyone's different, but a part of a first look could also be, I think, um, understood as a first refusal, right? Uh, where the you as the person that signs the deal, you're developing these projects, no matter what the platform is, exclusively for whatever studio or network that you signed it with, and. Um, they get to look at it first before you take it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, was, I don't, you know, like, are there so many streamers now that, like, you hear, like, the old days of, like, there was a bidding war and, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, those are still around. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, people still uh, garner interest for certain things and, you know, shop at all. I, I think, um, 
Hassan Minhaj just uh, started his 186K film um, production company. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, their his first project was like subject to a bidding war that Amazon won. Called for the culture, it's like a Bollywood collegiate, a, a collegiate Bollywood dance competition comedy. There we go. <laughs> Love it, yeah. and you know, you know, like even inside of his, you know, like specific awesome perspective, mm-hmm. you know, he took at least like three meetings where people were like. We already have something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah? Like, what? Yeah, what, what do you mean you already have something like that? <laughs> yeah, what's the, not not the mission, uh, our mandate. Yeah, like, they're like, our mandate says we need, you know. Right. Ugh, the mandate. Mandate. Oh, my God. I mean, you're the person deciding. Jesus Christ. Uh, anyways, um, Best of luck to Ashley, and uh, hopefully everything she's uh, developing gets uh, picked up by Warner's and then, um, you know, fi- finds a way to uh, a screen of a certain size, whatever it may be. Who knows? Totally. I mean, it's Warner Brothers. What Like, even if even if it doesn't go in its, like, intended shape, it, like, it'll be like, they'll make it the next Harry Potter. <laughs> you right, know what right, I mean? Right. Like, like, I feel like now it's this world where... They like your thing enough that suddenly they like fold it into some other weirdly established IP. Sure. Where they're like, you know, we can't have this this black spy, but we can have this character in the next Black Widow. And you're like, right. what? <laughs> like, those aren't supposed to get in each other. You know? Right, right, right. That kind of feels old Hollywood a little bit where, I mean, for so long that like no one had allegiance to studios or networks or anything like people just kind of did wherever or whatever. And like wherever their next TV show or movie was, that's just where they went. But now it feels like with streaming services and them sort of like building up their chest of content that lives only on their platform. Right. Oh, you're right. Yes. Yeah. They, you know, they'll they will plug in uh, like you're saying, like folding into IP and you're like, wait, why is the why? Wait why is this person in that thing or why is this even you know happening and yeah yeah yeah. as they're creating the whatever big bang theory cinematic universe and yeah or i mean you know did you see and just like that no uh well that's not true we made it into the classroom scene (laughs) and the classroom scene was like so so painful yeah it was just so cringe that um i think my wife and I looked at each other exactly the same way those two people at Silver Lake Lounge looked at each other. Uh-huh. And we're like, we out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We gotta. And just like that, tries so hard to justify it, its existence with the first episode. And it fails. Sure. Yeah. Like, spectacularly fails. Not only because of big dying spoiler alert, but who cares? You've seen it on the internet already. Yeah, it's on a peloton commercial yeah. yeah yeah they made peloton made an official commercial to respond to what the show did oh man they well they just needed a commercial to erase our memories of uh the handmade tale of the wife commercial that they did the year before or whatever mm-hmm. remember that mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> like our urine review mm-hmm. where he's like you're losing the baby weight or whatever <laughs> jesus <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, I appreciate some big swings with advertising, but then you got to wonder, like, I mean, this isn't convincing me to buy this product. Yeah, yeah, it's not bringing you back. Right. 
Um, anyways, next item of news. Uh, California, the state of California, will be instituting a universal indoor mass mandate starting December 15th, which uh, will be the date that this podcast is released. Um, that is not currently in effect uh, across the state, which means there are plenty of uh, places in cities and counties in the gigantic state of California that have no such mass mandate at all. Yeah, where where all your weeds grown. <laughs> Those guys it, don't I mean, want to do it. It's so <laughs> weird that where your weed is grown is also like super red. Yeah, yeah, like Humboldt County is, you know, can't can't infringe on their lower face. Can we just yeah. give libertarians a different color to make it feel like, you know, not necessarily just red you know what i mean that would be great i don't know what color to give them because i feel like so many colors are i already put on teams right 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 like green obviously you know Mm -hmm. they're they already have a party name right uh purple i mean i feel like like i want to give purple to like Uh uh-huh uh i don't know what what Black color says what color says leave me alone? <laughs> says leave you alone. Yeah, <laughs> like chartreuse. Yeah, yellow, yeah. I think it like has that. to be. It can't be a primary color. It has to be like a like. Yeah, a sh- like remember that that old poison warning? Like that sick yeah. face guy who was like, yeah. Ugh, "Don't eat this." Like right, the, right. Yeah, like that kind of like you know uh, radioactive green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's somewhere between yellow and green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but- like a poison color so yeah most of uh most of the state of california is a poison color (laughs) yeah um but they those parts of the state uh are have been uh to say the least very lax on mass um as opposed to the big city centers of san francisco and los angeles um i i think it's worth mentioning too though like this is like all even like places like Los Angeles where mm-hmm. people are like being really good about it, like yeah. on balance, it's all driven by like the population. Right. Like, like anytime you throw out like a, whatever a mandate or a law or something, it's, it's about who enforces it. Right. I don't know about you, but do you remember that time where it was like, we all got to wear masks and you never saw a cop wearing a mask mm-hmm. and you're like, but, 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 oh no, this isn't gonna, no. you know, no. Or, or like, you know, the paramedics show up and they're not wearing masks and you're like, right. OK. Yeah. I mean, y- without even looking into it, you can bet your bottom dollar that uh, L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva will not enforce it because he hasn't enforced uh, so many COVID protocols because uh, he doesn't um, he is uh, adversarial to the county government. Absolutely. But he's got time to send out whatever not suggestions they were like more strongly worded that everybody should wear cowboy hats on the sheriffs Uh, like all the deputies should have cowboy hats wow to do what send a message that you want to live in walker texas ranger absolutely and (laughs) while i do support the sun coverage like i think we Uh have to normalize wide-brimmed hats for men yes um they look better guys it's so tough i would like Women have good sun coverage. Right. Like, I, I really spun on this one. <laughs> that, like, I was yep. like, screw a cowboy hat. Everybody needs to wear wide brim hats. <laughs> it's all, it, hey, it's all staying in. <laughs> it's all staying in. Totally. It, but, okay, you're a guy. Yes. 
and you want to wear a hat mm -hmm. because whatever, like the sun's coming to kill you. Mm -hmm. You don't want to look like somebody who's actively advertising that you're bald. Right. You right. know, so there's just like so few options that don't look just goofy. Right. Yeah. Well, also, okay, so I uh, have not been wearing a hat, like a big old fancy hat, for uh -huh. like a year. But I used to do that for like eight years. I wore a big, like, wide brim hat. But you stopped. You stopped because you were like, you know. I stopped because I dyed my hair and I wanted to enjoy the color of my hair. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and it would be a huge waste of money if I just covered that with a hat. <laughs> it's like you it's actually <laughs> comparable in terms of price it was like the price of a fancy hat yeah, that's fair if you get like kind of a low level one um yeah but i, I was when i first bought hats again this is a comedy podcast guys when i first bought hats they explained to me that because of my face shape the wide brim looked good better like it thinned out my face oh gotcha yeah yeah, yeah you gotta Make a bigger shape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and it was great to sort of understand that, um, and like I mean that goes into I mean so often people look men especially look bad in those big hats because they don't know what hat looks good on them. Sure, I I just there's not enough hat education, Sean. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, like, but who are who are our role models in this, right? Like, uh -huh. I feel like if I wear a big enough hat, you, you I need it. to be walking around with a small chimpanzee, and right? Dressed in yellow. See, this is where you need to divorce. Like, you can like wear a hat and not be Johnny Depp. You can do that, right? I know that people think that you can't do that. That you need twenty bracelets. Who? <laughs> <laughs> And like thirty scars, you know John Mulheiser has like a. That's what I was just yeah, thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. satchel of dreams, <laughs> like, where he does his checklist before he goes yep. out the door. Oh, he's so that's so funny. Yep, we both guys. What you witnessed is a, a, both of us remembering the same exact thing at the same time. <laughs> Which is what was it? It was like a TikTok or something. Uh, I saw him do it live on a character show. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Where he just was about to go out, and he was like, "Oh, all right, scarf, 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 rings. Got this ring. Like, it's f fucking ridiculous." Yeah, but he yeah. nails it. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll so, leave hats alone. We, <laughs> I want. I wanted to come up with a solution. I felt like you were the, you were the person. Yeah, I could come to with my. I will take all hat queries. Uh, my hats aren't retired. I just haven't worn them in a while. Um, yeah, because you have this brilliant platinum mane now. Yeah, do. Um, you've for the whole run of the Glendale room, the 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 uh, eight weeks, um, so long, so so long. Uh, you've had a ma indoor mask policy that you weren't required to do, or were you? Uh, yeah, it was like a graduated thing from a vaccine standpoint. The mask, I mean, the mask one, the guidance is super uh, Wild Westy mm -hmm. in that you'll hear something, but it will be through an issuing agency that is in no way going to enforce it or otherwise back you up. Right. You know, so it was on whoever had the venue, had the business, had the thing to just figure out what kind of frontier justice they were going to enact at their own front door. Right. Which, you know, if you're 
if you're the type of person, which many businesses are and have to continue to be, who are like, we we need to continue on, we need to be here, they just don't have the energy or the belly to, to try to have that that right. fight. Right. I mean, it was about that time, this is what, like two months ago? This mm-hmm. isn't like deep history. We started and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like people should wear masks. Even some of the shows at that point were like, we still feel like going masked. And it was like, okay, great. Like it isn't going to be our favorite, but it's always better than Zoom, right guys? You know, and same day, or it was the next morning. The next morning I drop my kids off at school. It's 8.30 in the morning. And I'm at a Ralph's just picking up groceries or whatever. And there's mm-hmm. uh, there's a dude just like blasting down the dairy aisle, like no mask. Everybody's got masks right. and stuff. And I was like, uh, I was like, oh, hey, man, uh, uh, your mask fell off or whatever it was. Like, like not like right. I am here to make a citizen's arrest or whatever. Uh-huh. And this dude like braced me uh-huh. like at 830 in the morning. Uh, I remember it. Can we curse on this? Yeah, we can curse. I remember that. I remember it specifically. Because uh, he he immediately spun around with like a lot of aggression and volume, mm-hmm. and he goes, "What are you saying, you obsequious fuck?" Obsequious <laughs> 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 fuck. And I was, I was like surprised and clearly <laughs> on the other side of this argument. But for a moment, I was like, "Man, that that dude just rolled out obsequious fuck at eight thirty a.m. at a Ralph's like." <laughs> All right, maybe I, maybe I should think about this for a second longer. But clearly, obviously, this is a horrible situation, a bad confrontation. Right. Um, it, it it didn't get any better. Let's just put it that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it it just made me go, oh yeah, you just got to be okay getting into weird hairiness. Right. Um, but thankfully, thankfully, this space is so mm-hmm. like it, it walks through the door and you're like, oh yeah, like it's a library and you know, right. There's there's a softness to this whole experience that I think. Um, yeah. And yeah. I would say your sort of audience, your clientele, like they're already with it. Like I, all the times that I've been here, people already have their proof of vaccination out at the door. They're not like yeah. waiting to be like, Oh, can I please see your, no, like, they know the deal. They've been so nice. People have been so low. I know I opened with a story of like a guy being a horrible guy, but so many more hundreds more stories of people being so nice and being like i'm glad you're asking for this mm-hmm. of me right you know that that kind of thing and that's um that's been really nice because it feels like we may have uh, kind of covered it a second ago that you know people are still kind of coming out of their internal shells their right. internalness and mm-hmm. being in a public space you just you just need to um i mean not hold hands in a contact sort of way but right you know just kind of be together with each other for a second to kind of, you know, I've had like so many people be like, Hey, I'm kind of weird right now. Like, Mm -hmm. just like open with it. Right. And you're like, okay, that's yeah. Yeah. Like you're right. I am too. Right. (laughs) No, there was a, I think one of the last shows I went to here, um, a, uh, a, a woman asked to sit by the door and have the door open. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not the only time. Yeah. Oh, really? That happens a lot? Yeah, that and I just set that chair by the door thinking it would be, you know, just a space for um, you know, like a comic who had to jet but wanted to catch one last set or whatever. Right. And it ended up, yeah, being like this um booster you know. seat. Yeah, yeah. It's like the <laughs> flight attendant jump seat or something. <laughs> that's right there. That's that's almost like um, you know, that section. Mm-hmm. That's like, hey, you feeling a little 
squiggly right yeah you can be here it's cool yeah yeah it's very very nice so are you gonna do i mean so you are already fall in line with the mandate as is i mean are you gonna right yeah so you don't have to change anything or do anything additional yeah no not um but you know keep my ears open right you know if if in the next month or so they're like yeah we got to uh, keep distance indoors or mm-hmm. you know of a of a certain thing um right. yeah we'll we'll do it and whatever it takes man to let this thing still be happening in a way that people feel good about right cuz right like there's that space there's that space mm-hmm. between what can happen and what feels good when it happens right and you know what's the point of throwing shows where everybody feels like they are being lightly electrified the whole time. <laughs> right, know? right. Like no, it, it, there's such a peace of mind that's so crucial. I mean, you're here to have a good time. Like you're saying, I went to the Irvine Improv uh, months and months and months ago, um, and it was packed. It was like 400 people mm-hmm. inside. Yeah, Orange County is, you know. Yeah. They're living a different thing. And I sat where the staff would sit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th- that felt better to me. But I was just like... Uh, I and I'm a person who's like been out and going out. Even I was like, oof, okay, this is, a, this is a lot of people. This is a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you know, you you hit a bar that you might have gone to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, like pre kind of times, and you come back in, and you're like, oh, like it's over in here, right? You know, it's everybody finds their spaces where they feel, you know, right. It it jives with their thing. Yeah, but what works for this space specifically is we keep it high and tight, <laughs> you know, high and tight like a military buzz cut. Um, last news story that I want to do uh, is the blacklist. Are you familiar with the blacklist, Sean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it, What is your understanding of the blacklist? Uh, the blacklist was started by Franklin Leonard, yes. um, and he was. Uh, you know, trying to make sure that scripts got passed around town that were worth uh, meriting. It was one of those things that felt like kind of a very, like, the assistants Mm -hmm. are, you know, trying to help make good things happen behind the scenes and has since uh, grown into a super gigantic thing. It felt like for a while that it was like an anointing. Right. Like, if you were on the blacklist, like, Uh you were going to be, you know, moonlight next year <laughs> right right i think um yeah wait, wait, i mean which is you know that it's not without precedent um so the blacklist is uh an annual list that is released every year that is a collection of uh i, I would say the most liked unproduced screenplays uh by uh reps and executives and people who read scripts for a living yeah yeah my Wife and I in 2013. Mm-hmm. I don't know what what this is gonna make it sound like. I'm really trying to shine it up, mm-hmm. but we were whatever at that point. He had said was there's the blacklist, and then there's also some also some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. We were like the and also some cool stuff for a thing right. that we had going and <laughs> oh cool. But it was enough shine that right. it it really made some cool things happen for that script. That's awesome, and I mean I think it's still at a point where that things can happen for it. So generally the blacklist when it gets uh, announced every year features a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of drama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, notably, I mean, like I was, I was saying earlier that um, 
good things happen uh, from the blacklist, and that has happened for Slumdog Millionaire, The King's Speech, Argo, and Spotlight. Those were all uh, blacklist. Um, and mentioned. hilarious. And so hilarious. You know, that Spotlight. Yeah, when they <laughs> opened the door to uh, find that priest saying that he uh, openly, uh, like, uh, diddled kids. And, yeah, it was so you funny. You thought he was going to be ashamed of it. Yeah, he's going to be ashamed. But he was. Yeah, he's he, pretty okay. Yeah, he was like really, really chill about it. Um, that was so funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think there actually is comic relief in Argo, right? Like, I think Alan Arkin like plays like a producer. They keep. Oh, I'll tell you the comic relief in Argo. Uh-huh. The comic relief in Argo is at the very end of the movie. <laughs> the person who made this movie uh-huh. and also starred in this movie, uh-huh. one Benjamin Affleck. Uh huh. He has a scene uh-huh. in the movie that he, whatever, directed, produced, mm-hmm. starred in, where everyone looks at him. This is like a four-minute scene. This isn't like a quick cut, and they're all like, that was the greatest execution of an idea ever. Like, they're <laughs> it, like one by yeah. one. Like, if you rewatch Argo, they all go down the list, and they're like, you are a cast-iron stud. You are the bravest man alive. Like, wow. clearly just thanking him for making the movie that he just did, which is a movie about making a movie, if yep. you remember. Yep. Like, it's like you can inception this thing that just gets straight into that guy's id. Right. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. That would be the comic relief. Um, yeah. Well, you know, maybe you shouldn't have. Um, did Geely? He was in Geely, right? Or is that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And now he's back with Geely. So yeah, that's what we should. We shouldn't call this better for 2.0. This is Geely in real life. Yeah, yeah. Um. So this year's blacklist actually has a lot of comedy. Uh. Or at least, well. So when you read the blacklist, uh, they just give you a log line of what the screenplay would be. Uh, essentially the premise. The people who wrote it and their reps. Um, and then, I mean, like, you know, if you're connected, I'm sure you could get to read the screenplay, but they're not published anywhere for uh, public consumption as of yet. But, uh, huh. yeah, so they, they get a few dozen uh, screenplays uh, on the list every year. But this this year, I I mean, I it was it was kind of startling that there's there were so many things that feel like comedy are comedy definitely could be comedy including stories uh, about the rise and life of William Hung, of uh, infamous American Idol fame. That's amazing. Yes. Uh, Dennis Rodman's, um, like, 48-hour, like, just quixotic uh, journey through Vegas during the playoffs, during Game 7. Oh, wow. Yeah, that that was a written new screenplay. This is two for two. I would watch both of these movies in a heartbeat. Uh, alien invasion comedy between a uh, bad grinder hookup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. There's uh, another story that uh, a girl who's dead set on doing the vagina monologues at her Catholic school. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, which seems like a, a little goofier version of um, of uh, oh, what am I thinking of? It's, who's in it? Um, Shersha Ronan. Oh, okay. Uh, Lady Bird. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got there. Um, yeah, uh, there's a, 
this one is feels weird and perhaps they're layering too much into this so it's like a rom-com that's like um wait go back to the eve ensler one uh-huh. who uh who wrote that um you'll have to you'll have to go read the list i'm reading my own article that i wrote oh okay all right yeah that i you know well because i didn't want to just like do like copy and paste everything off of the list uh sure, i wanted sure. people to go read it yeah um but you but, can't but not the screenplay because we cannot get a hold of these no 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 no, no. but go read the list uh the blacklist.com i believe is where you can go uh read it uh and you can follow them on socials at like T-H-E-B-L-C-K-L-S-T. Yeah, just the black list without vowels, except for the T-H-E. Um, so, yeah, that I uh, I mean, I'll go look after the pod and tell you. <laughs> um, there's a, a, there's, this seems to be a common uh, trope in rom-coms of uh, now, that they there's like a new dating app that uh, makes it seem like it uh, adds mystery, so you don't know who it is really. Oh, okay. Um, Ted Lasso had like that, but uh, in, in a couple episodes. But um, this one has so it's like a dating yeah. app rom com, and there's a, a store clerk in Chinatown uh-huh. who uh, f- finds that they've matched themselves and are getting enamored with a CEO who is uh, expanding into Chinatown and threatens their business. Oh, it's like you've got mail. You've got mail, but late stage capitalism, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Okay. Right. Isn't that remember when Amy Poehler made a rom com, I think with Paul Rudd that was about making fun of rom coms? Yeah. I, I mean think, there's so many uh-huh. yeah things yeah. to to hit on that. And that thing that you're talking about too, like, you know, they don't know something. It's like, yeah, like every rom com has like a big meaty deception. Right, you know? right, right. Um because what would it be? Uh there there was apparently um like just some person's uh bachelor party gone wrong that like that they post on social media that went viral apparently like it was a destination wedding wedding and through some travel mix-up like he ended up like doing his bachelor party alone oh okay yeah and so that it was a story that went viral and then somebody wrote it into a screenplay um there's there's one that's just i always wonder about those ones like you know, like there was that that really beautiful article about uh, like the woman who was dying. That was like it, like the guide to dating my widowed husband. Do you remember that? That was like no. four years ago. It's uh-huh. like so touching and immediately turns into, you know, right. like some of those things that come to us from another. Like you even watch those things where like, you know, it's like a video and somebody's like, we discovered a secret room in our New York apartment. Right. And like part of you goes like, yeah, yeah, OK, oh, well. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll watch this now for 20 seconds or maybe I'll wait for the two hour version. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right, like right. Cast. Yeah. Largely a lot of those, it's like, all right. Uh, the trailer, if it tells me three quarters of the story, like th- thanks for saving me 10 bucks. Oh yeah. Yeah. The comedy trailers have been telling way too much of the story lately. Yeah. Like, especially for stuff that's like only was only coming out on stream, which, you know, right. it's like most comedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was like one that's like set in like, I don't know, it was like Norway or, or mm-hmm. some kind of. And I was like, man, this cast is great. It was like super talented people. Right. And the trailer gave me like the whole story. And I was like, good for you guys. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, no. 
Yeah, I mean, you almost have to intrinsically ask yourself as, like, the producers, the writers, or the studio of, like, all right, we're putting all the best moments and the majority of the story in the trailer. Should we have done this? Yeah, it's, like, the intent, like, to reassure people that there's going to be a comforting end. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, hey, hey, this isn't going to be, like, 2020. Like, right. things are, or 2021. Like, right. like it's all going to work out great for everybody. Right, right. Um, a few others interesting there there's a there's one it felt like the beginning of the log line was like a drama and then it the end of it was like oh this is definitely a comedy where this like um, girl who gets into college uh, I, I guess she's like very privileged and just runs in a lot of high um, like rich circles uh, ends up falling into a drug ring oh okay but right. is dead set on having her hot girl summer <laughs> they're like not enough not tack en- on another dependent clause <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um there's one uh, a story that is well i think the the title of the movie itself is called worst period dinner period ever, ever. period and uh, it seems from the what I remember of reading the log line, it's like the apocalypse is happening, and uh, and then uh, an estranged dad and son trying to have dinner. Oh, okay, all yeah. right, yeah. I was like, man, I was like temping at HBO like way back in the day when it was like super hip to have like working titles on screenplays that were never gonna make it to production. Like back in the day, is what like Carnival. Uh, yeah, maybe a little after that, like, oh. like a little like Sopranos ending E okay. and stuff. And so like all the printed screenplays that were kicking around all had titles like fuck pad, and, uh-huh. you know, or like, or you know, John from Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, talk about, like we were, we were like, I hope, you know, uh, Ashley Nicole Black's, or, uh, like, you know, overall deal. She gets to make whatever you want, but boy, that's a cautionary tale. <laughs> But not like whatever you want. Right, 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 right. What is uh, look? I just I still have not watched it. I still have not looked it up. I just remember, so, so, you know, one summer there was like billboards that said John from Cincinnati, and this guy was holding a surfboard and floating. Oh, you never watched it? No. What was it? Uh, like a navel gazing, rambly exploration of. Life and meaning with a lightly magical situation happening. <laughs> cool. Uh, you know, that was kind of centered in uh, <laughs> what's that like TNT or USA series about like the crime, the white crime family that's like surfers? Oh, um, is it called animals? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, but basically also still kind of being animals. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Well, I love Deadwood. I yeah, say. I mean, the, that if that's what the story was, then they could have had a cooler title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it was enigmatic, right? Right. At least that was true all the way through. Um, other things that I've, uh, I, that could be comedy that I thought were interesting is there is a they said it was a biopic, but a biopic that um. F- leads up to the 2011 uh white house correspondence dinner which uh is you know a lot of people peg as uh the inception point for trump thinking he should be president really yeah who was that who was 2011 was that uh, seth myers 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there's like, I mean, you can still go watch it. It's kind of haunting now where like he does this great joke. I think about Trump's hair and then everybody in the room is laughing. And then like they had this like deep sort of, you know, kind of portrait shot where everyone's out of focus. But you can clearly see everybody's laughing and then Trump is just stone faced. Right. Yeah. Man. Yeah, and uh, and then there's a uh, Martin Shkreli biopic. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think they're going to paint him in a good light. <laughs> yeah, but okay, great. Then I spent two hours, uh, I don't know, whatever, it, like deliciously eating the poison that I have already taken. Like, okay. Right. Well, I, I mean, don't you want to see why the fuck he bought a Wu-Tang album for a million dollars? No. <laughs> like I, like it, right, like this right. past week, like they were like, oh, we're gonna make that Elizabeth Holmes, you know, like that things that go. Oh, oh with that, yeah, Jennifer Lawrence playing Elizabeth Holmes. Totally, right? It's you know, no, like I don't need it, you know, right. whatever. Yeah, I, I like my awful people fictional. I think sure, like, I can't handle nonfiction awful people. You know, like you'd rather have Doctor Evil and not Lord Michaels. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that, that's the thing that I can I can roll with. Yeah, yeah. Like I, uh, yeah. Like I'll watch. I mean, King of Scotland or something like that is like good because I don't know. I probably didn't know the full story, but right. I live in a world where I'm like I know enough about Elizabeth Holmes. Like right. I don't I don't need you to try to sell me what's clearly going to be the most uh, what is whatever like. Uh, just an awful love scene like i don't want to see <laughs> the bedroom scene they're clearly gonna drop in this thing sure sure yeah because i i might be mistaken but i i think i remember somebody starting like they they were investing like as an investigative journalist writing about martin shkreli and then like fell in love with him oh yeah 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 i remember this person was kind of a piece of work too yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah we, two toxic people Ugh. No, no. Skin them as new characters, make it fake, and I can get there. Yeah. <laughs> but like, just to be like, you know, and then they had an ending that was slightly happy for them. It was like, good, right. right? Can't deal with it. That's another thing too. So yeah, if if that's what the root is, completely fictionalize it. Yeah, or be because like I, I have a big problem with uh, Inglorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, that's what I was thinking about too just now. Yeah, man, same page. Yeah, um, I like okay. I, I it's nice wishful thinking with how Tarantino is just actively changing history, like the big part of it. Yeah, yeah. You but the thing there's this. I don't know about, about for other people, but for me, it's not like. It's not healing or I mean, not that that was like a personal trauma to me, but it, it's not like anything that makes me feel better about it. Like saying, oh, look, look what would happen if Sean Tate got to live. Right. No, it's like I know what happened. And now you're saying it didn't. Yeah. OK. Let me pitch on this. Yes. Right. Like um, violence is awful. Yes. Um, yet still in certain circumstances, like we want to see on screen violence. Mm -hmm. What's the shape that makes it OK if it feels like some kind of like karmic justice that we never received? Right. Maybe that's Elaine. Right. Um, does it does it take away 
Yeah. Does it take away like the fact that you're still like reveling in, you know, people getting their eyeballs eaten out? Um, right. Yeah. That's like, I mean, you can't, you can't take the grindhouse out of that guy. <laughs> like, No, you can't. But I mean, like, I mean, Sharon Tate, you know, it's interesting. It's like technically, I think if you're going to do degrees of it, like, I guess that's more forgivable in a way, because like when you watch Inglorious Bastards and like Hitler, that was my experience is like, oh, like, because I keep thinking, oh, they're going to get caught because that's how history happened. Yeah. And they would all get murdered. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's a Tarantino, like, that's okay. Wait, this is not They're Oh, they're just going to kill Hitler. Right. <laughs> oh, that's. But that didn't happen, though. <laughs> it's not was right. that your reaction like yeah. when you were watching it like you were like whoa <laughs> yeah. yeah like okay. no but that's not real it's so much sadder yeah yeah you you get like you get some piece of dopamine in the moment though of like just the surprise of it right yeah the surprise i i think the dopamine came with like uh brad pitt um scalping uh, uh christoph waltz's character oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, but then like coming back to the headquarters and then they're like, "Oh yeah, we're we're just uh we're blasting everybody." Yeah, it, there is like a weird like the end of like that first Kingsman movie, you know, when like everybody's heads pop off and get right. blown off like like I remember like halfway through that being like, "Yeah, wait, what? Wait, am I a sociopath?" Like I was, <laughs> like I was just like having a moment where I was like, "I I don't know if I'm okay, but I am okay. I don't right." Yeah. Right. Like right. it, it twisted me up a little. I would say be like the master, which I I don't think people credit the movie The Master by Paul Thomas Anderson enough for being very funny in a lot of part of parts of it. Yeah. There are like legitimately like hilarious moments in it. Because there's so much tension. It like uh well well, because he like draws like a, a pussy in the sand and is like fucking it, <laughs> and he's like yeah. looking around like, uh? <laughs> and they're like, "What is this dude doing here?" <laughs> That's like uncut gems could be funny anytime it wanted to because right. it was just so goddamn tense, right? <laughs> You're like a- anything. I'll laugh at anything. I just need to get off this ride, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was something so like. uh oppressive and brooding about like the pace of the master right that you were like man like shit's gonna happen <laughs> yeah it is and wrong but like obviously it's a it's a satire of like scientology even though the you know there's all oh it's not about scientology right we, we didn't say scientology <laughs> it, yeah i know it seems like it's uh uh l ron hubbard but it, it's not and that's why i love it yeah because they took the real life monster and they gave it just a little bit of a spin that I didn't have to worry about, like, you know, it being the real person and it getting dragged into a conversation about, like, specifically that guy. Right. You know. Right. Um, what do you think about. Well, so you mentioned, like, all right, the King of Scotland, you didn't know that much about the guy. But, like, how about Dope Sick? Is that, like, a middle ground? Where I- oh, yeah. I. I haven't seen that's like on one of the things I don't have a subscription to. Hulu. Um because um, I I think like I mean obviously people know about the uh the oxycontin like <laughs> epidemic. But um oh is it about it's about the family, right? It's about the fam Purdue Pharma which is like a family-owned big pharma company. Yeah. And like how they perpetrated it for money. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's awful. Is it about the Sacklers? The Sacklers, yeah. 
dude, I used to go to that museum because I grew up outside of D.C. Mm -hmm. And I used to go to that museum and I thought it was like so cool. It's like right in the middle of, you know, the Smithsonian and everything else. And I was like, how how wonderful, like whatever. I sound like an awful child. (laughs) Sure. I was like, oh, how cool that there's this really big gallery that's dedicated to um, Asian and South Asian art. Right. You know, I was like, oh, that's neat. Like that. It, you know, continues on. And of course, of course, that like. The center of it is just like a horrendous crime. Yeah, because the spirit of philanthropy is not um, in sort of like this is paying for our sins that we're going to continue to commit. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. I mean, if if you back that into like most things. Uh huh. I mean, we are sitting in a library like Carnegie was not a great guy. Right. But they continued to do what they were doing. It wasn't like they had changed their ways and now that we're just dedicating all of our money and resources to uplifting like art around the world. Oh, right. Like um, like how W.J. Griffiths tried to erase his history by giving us Griffith Park. Right. He's a murderer, guys. And Griffith Park is named after a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> There's a statue. <laughs> his wife. Right. That's who he murdered. Yes. He approached <laughs> his wife. Well, he attempted to murder her. Uh-huh. He approached her at a party and he had a gun in one hand this is a public event there's a party a gun in one hand and a bible in the other <laughs> from what i understand <laughs> it was like you know pick right. one right and then he shot her eye out or something and i forget if she fell out a window or something but yeah wow it's like nuts man yeah Change Griffith Park's name or change it to whatever her first name is uh i should go look up um all right back to the glendale room which we're at and this is the third in-person episode guys which i'm you know that's why the sound quality is way better Woo-hoo. yeah uh because that's what you care about with podcasts i, I some people do i, I find that strange <laughs> i just want to understand what people are saying that's all <laughs> How often are, are you at seven nights a week or do you keep some days dark for your own uh, well-being? Like how how how's sort of the day to day been? Oh, yeah. So I'd say reliably now we're five nights a week and then I have um, classes in here, um, you know, four times a week and growing. Um, one of those is is on a, a night. Probably some more will fill up. Um yeah, yeah, just trying to find the right shows on the right nights to kind of get a good vibe and also, mm-hmm. you know, kind of live inside of the ecosystem of all the other awesome theaters that are also in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great when everybody is able to um, work together and not feel that, you know, right. anybody's in their backswing or mm-hmm. doing cross purposes. So you in the area, you mean like the Alex Theater? Well, yeah, specific to Glendale, there's there's a couple of things, but I think we're we're really close to some very strong theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, there's um, there's stuff over in Silver Lake and right. uh, Atwater and Burbank and stuff that, right. um, you know, nothing nothing should feel that it exists to try to just swallow something else from an arts perspective. Yes, especially like an indie arts perspective, it's right. just too hard already. You know, so um, I'm I'm sure the other people who have spaces in the area feel similarly and right. um you know you just try to roll it out with a 
a little bit of intention. Right. You know, so that, um, you know, these things are possible. But at the same time, there are different communities inside of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when we put up um, our open mic, it was kind of with the idea that, hey, let me know when like the broiest open mic is happening. And then let's also put up an open mic at the same time. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I do want to name check this because you want broy. I'll give it to you. No, no, no. We <laughs> well, we want to be the alternative. No, to no. The- I know. I know. So if you want to counter program. Oh, great. Yeah. So there's a thing called accidental chaos. I might have told you about this. Okay. Uh, they, you know, I think this is common now where like things that were production spaces now just offer their spaces to whoever wants to pay money to do whatever the hell they want in it. Oh, yeah. Pure space world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So that th- this is one of those things. And uh, for months and months and months and months, uh, you know, we, probably when they shouldn't have done it. Um, there's a th- the thing called accidental chaos that uh, happens now Monday through Thursday as an open mic. And then they have shows on the weekends. But they're open mics now. I just got an email about this. Uh, they they start at 9, 11 p.m. And uh, they're, uh, I mean, you know, the host, the, the one time that I went, uh, he flip-flops, cargo shorts, T-shirt, baseball cap, and is all that attitude uh, that goes with that. It was like a barstool sports. Of but yeah, de- definitely uh, like the descendants of Dave Portnoy. Uh, every time you say chaos, uh, they slap the wall. <laughs> and it is like like uh, like a clubhouse of like the most fratty uh, proportions. Um, but yeah, they they now I guess I mean, this is, if you're a woman, you get to perform for free. Yeah, because that uh, won't yeah. make you feel tokenized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there are. I do like that there are mics that where it's just women and non-binary performers, so they have that space for them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't. I don't want to sound antagonistic to accidental chaos. I think it's good that uh-huh. people have places where they feel that it's working for them. Right. You know, and it's also great to get some of these people off the street (laughs) like like go have a spot i know you know it's bad when people amplify each other and stuff and they make each other worse that way but it's kind of okay on to a certain extent you know to be like hey if you know we're all mad at dad let's all be mad at dad together in like this other room and maybe one of us will have a breakthrough and it'll be contagious (laughs) and Uh we'll get soft together in like our own you know, in our own time and in our own ways. Um, that, that makes me think of one of the last open mics I did before lockdown in mm-hmm. 2020. Uh, uh, Hamid Weinberg went up like at the end. And I remember he just, he riffed this. He's like, he, you know, he did a bit and it, it was like, okay. And then he took a beat and he was like, how many, um, how many uh, potential mass shooters are being saved by this open mic, do you think? <laughs> And he looked right at me. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, there's sadly a lot of truth in that. Um, But, yeah, yeah, I so start start your open mic at 9, 11 p.m. And it's because of the date? Like yeah, it's, the, it's totally because of the date. Okay. I don't know. Because they're like some... accidental chaos, guys. Right, right, right. I mean, 
it, you know, stage time is stage time. Um, I mean, and like, you know, yes, that if you can stomach being in the space, like, and you want more stage time, you know, more power to you. But you don't have to. No, you don't have to. I mean, also, I, I don't think the comedy stores open mic is back yet. Um, but I think a, a lot of people thought that they had to go every week and not get picked and hang out uh, so that they could, like, work their way to have a name on their own. You, you don't have to do that. No. Yeah, I mean, that should be, I hope, the takeaway of, like, all this time that mm-hmm. whatever was the institution or the system or right. whatever it was you felt you had to indenture yourself to in right. order to get any traction mm-hmm. from either a community peer standpoint or just to have a the tiniest of like little platforms to stand on mm-hmm. yeah like it feels like that got blasted and we can choose not right. <laughs> you know right. like like we can we can do it a little different now right like, um do you have any more specificity in terms of your mission statement or goal of this place besides a cozy place for comedy? Right. Great question. Um, let's see. I think right. it's always good to come at things from the standpoint of um, could I make a place that the, the, the person who's kind of like me but isn't me right. would feel, you know, like, right. oh, this is this is a good thing. I would. Uh, pay money to see things here I would want to get involved I would feel welcomed when I was here mm-hmm. and stuff so that's that's usually the jump off but um, making sure that um, that there's an open door and that there's an expressed welcome mm-hmm. to people who are unlike yourself is right. is I think a necessary part of it too there's um, there's a sense where uh, I think there's a lot of super talented people in Los Angeles who need the slightest, like the tiniest bit of encouragement to like mm-hmm. kind of keep going. Right. And I do think it's the role of a space this size and this level of identity to provide that wherever possible, you know, to kind of just be the tiniest little lamp, you know, right. like just the next step down. Um, the, the, the goal I think as an overall thing, and this is maybe too far down the road, but mm-hmm. it is the intent is to try to reinstitute any sense of w- what could feel like progress mm-hmm. in your journey to be a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, because it feels like it's, it's so non-sequential, right. You know, and not that things need to be gamified and mapped out and, mm-hmm. and all that sort of nonsense, but just to, um, be able to sit in a conversation with a continued intent mm-hmm. to 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 go like, hey, you are working towards your hour. Right. Like your hour is going to happen. Can this be a place where you run it? You know, mm-hmm. like uh, like we were just running Jenna Friedman's hour. Like right. it's going to happen. But having a place in Los Angeles where you can stand up in front of a crowd and do fifty minutes mm-hmm. that aren't you know polishy perfect. That doesn't exist so much. So I, I think it's a good space for, you know, somebody trying to get their Edinburgh show up on its feet. Yeah. Somebody who, um, let's say you have a podcast and it's got some traction, mm-hmm. but you do want to do it mm-hmm. in front of people again. Right. You know, like you want to kind of have that experience. Right. Um, somebody who has something that they've worked on for a little while mm-hmm. 
that doesn't normally garner uh, a big public audience. Obviously, we're going to be doing a fair amount of book events. That that stuff's coming together too. Mm-hmm. But um, trying to provide a place for a public gathering that makes sense. When it comes to stand-up and comedy, um, the thing that I catch a lot from people because it is kind of cozy and low light and mm-hmm. you know uh, it's chill is that people are like, oh, I want to tell my secrets here. You know, kind of <laughs> thing. So right. so I think I think that there's something to keep driving on in that direction of, um, right. you know, if you think you have to be big and presentational mm-hmm. to operate in a large room, you're right. Right. But a lot of what makes you great and people really dig about you is something that you connect on, um, you know, like a very small personal conversational level. Absolutely. And I think that is like so crucial in live comedy especially stand-up like i've seen stand-up with like five in like an amphitheater with like fifteen thousand people Mm -hmm. i don't like it yeah yeah like we saw those arena show you know era stuff yeah yeah and it's you feel so disconnected versus like you know i mean the person wants to perform with a lot of people and you know uh, make money but i mean i've been at shows with two other people and it's been really fun yeah, like Maria Bamford was really like cracking that door wide, mm-hmm. you know, like this idea that you could do a show literally for people sitting on a couch in a living room mm-hmm. and that was enough. And I think bigger is better mm-hmm. is a really easy thing to fall back into all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but for comedy, it's always nice to have people in a smaller space feeling mm-hmm. closer to you. Right. You know, right. I mean, unless, you know. Unless you don't want that in life. <laughs> sure, sure. Like, get them away from me. Right. I I was right. You mentioned people like trying to stand their Edinburgh show up on their own two legs. You know, the the Glendale room is so nice and cozy, as we've said so, so, so many times. But uh, do you have a contingency plan for somebody doing like a a solo show that, shall I say, has a splash zone? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the nice thing is that we're located on, um, I, I guess this is what they're all called. I didn't know it. Uh, Paseo. So it's right. what was previously uh, a street that was open to cars and now is closed and it's pedestrian only. Right. And where we are, the city of Glendale, California, they're really supportive of what we're doing to the standpoint that they said, uh, if you have an event, you know, that that gets more than 100 people, um, you know, up to whatever, like 300, let's right. say, why don't we just do it outside? Mm-hmm. We'll do it out front in the street. The stage will be your front door, which is nice. It's nice and framed here right. with like an, an awning and, you know, some right. light poles and stuff. The whole interior of the space is essentially the backstage, you right. know, which is nice. Finally, we'll have a green room. That's you know, <laughs> uh-huh. a big old green room. Right. And then play to everybody seated outside, which works for Southern California because the weather's generally cooperative. Um, and that could be just the dopest, I think. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That would be really, really amazing. And that is the plan for the spring. Yeah, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, doing an outdoor. Uh, also, I, this is the thing I wanted to highlight, too. I mean, you've kind of very cleverly and ingeniously set this up. So it, this kind of operates as a one-man band. Because <laughs> you're, yeah. you're like the door guy and box <laughs> office and tech. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, and you you depend on the uh, almighty power of the QR code. 
<laughs> I know. Yeah, the the one uh, thing that people you know will cooperate on after pandemic. Um, yeah, right. Amy Poehler had that uh, that famous piece of advice: keep your overhead low. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was her her kind of key to like when you're you're like an indie thing that's right. that's trying to like put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, I love working with people. Right. I think that that's fantastic. But I wanted to see if there was a shape to this mm-hmm. where um, the vibe was set in such a way that people could kind of, you know, figure out for themselves what to do when they got in the space. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's all the books and there's all the throwback, you know, kind of furniture and vibe right. and stuff. But nestled inside of it is a pretty good amount of tech. Right. Um, you know, like those old like Warner, uh, not Warner, those old like cartoons that were like, home of the future, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. were pretty set to that being uh, a thing right you know starting in the new year where um you'll be able to talk to the room you know on that uh sort of smart device kind of level mm-hmm. you can call for stuff from there and um mm-hmm. obviously humans are great and they're the best people to deal with um but i do think yeah i i i think this works mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know like in this way you get a room this size too and like you get north of like three staff and it feels like you're in somebody else's kitchen right if right, that makes right, sense right like i think it, you know we've all been to events that are great events right but you're like oh i'm not part of the show and <laughs> i think i'm outnumbered here <laughs> right <laughs> right um, right yeah, I think people want to be left alone a little bit these days too. Yeah, no, that's that's very true, and uh, really want to. I mean, there's so much of pe- comedians and performers coming out of lockdown, getting to this side of the pandemic, that they just want to be very exploratory, and they ha- don't really have an idea of where that's going to go. Yeah, and I think freedom to fail, and mm-hmm. like you're saying, like exploring is central to. Mm-hmm any of this turning into you know somebody's piece of inspiration which is what you need right, right like right. like you need a space right. where you can work your shit out mm-hmm. you absolutely know? absolutely um, and i think you've done a wonderful job and i'm really excited to see what comes of it in the coming months thanks yeah are, me too are you gonna do a big new year's eve thing like uh, so many venues in la do that yeah uh no i imagine that bram boulevard and glendale is going to be annoying on new year's eve yeah yep i mean we're we're just off of it but at the same time yeah new year's eve is is amateur night always (laughs) Um, i I was just mentioning to somebody uh because they're they do like a show at flappers uh and um at flappers they you know like every comedy club they do a new year's eve thing but you know they uh, rather than at least in years past, I don't know what they're going to do this year. They rather than have big headliners, because most of the big headliners are booked at other clubs around the country. Yeah, why wouldn't you? If you uh, were open to performing that night, yeah. right? They just offer like a like a decent, well priced package for people who want to go out and do something on New Year's Eve, and then they pay the comics really well. I like that. Yeah, they like all split the door. Uh, but what I I mentioned to this person is like, have you ever done stand up on New Year's Eve? It's bad. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're babysitting drunk people that want the countdown. They don't want to hear your jokes. Yeah, yeah, they, nah, yeah, they need to have something that becomes their New Year's Eve story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, 
Yeah. And and as somebody who for years was <laughs> looked up a YouTube video on how to ki kiss somebody, thinking I would make out with somebody at midnight, and nice. that never happened. Uh, yeah, you know, don't don't try for a story on New Year's Eve. Just go live your life and do what you want. Yeah, yeah. You don't hop on that cop's horse. No, you know, no, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you gotta. Yeah, yeah. You gotta make it through. Like you should celebrate that you made it through to now <laughs> yep oh yeah and that's definitely true this year for sure for sure for sure um I, you know i again i it's 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 very very uh exciting to be at this point where i'm not hearing about stuff closing and i'm hearing about stuff that's opening and things that are exciting and going to them and them being like oh this is i i, I didn't forget that this was fun but like yeah. i'm glad i got i get to engage in that again and so thank you for the glendale room oh thanks for having me jake yeah I absolutely it. um what are the glendale room socials what you know is there anything else you like to plug you know anything at all oh thanks uh the socials for the glendale room are all our name mm -hmm. thankfully surprisingly nothing <laughs> you know like pre-owned sure uh that stuff so yeah we're Oh, I always say that. I always go like, where we are. Uh -huh. I'm like, man, like, stop lying. Like, it's just you, dude. <laughs> oh, but oh, but this is what I do. The the bureau operates as a royal we, and it's one person. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Maybe if I get a second email, maybe then I'll, you know, mm -hmm. splice it. Uh, but yeah, the Glendale Room, uh, Instagram, mostly mm -hmm. uh, exist other places, but that's probably where the most active uh please follow our newsletter if um you kind of want heads ups on stuff that's coming up in the future that's on the website right and then anything else to plug uh here's a weird plug can i make can i do a weird plug to plug whatever the hell you want man well you said this is coming out on the 15th so i was like yeah uh a year ago as a pandemic project uh my wife and i m made a christmas story uh -huh. it's called christmas steve <laughs> it's um, five episodes scripted, but it features a lot of really fun and funny people in it. Dave Tooney's in it. He plays right. the dad. Yeah. Um, Patrick McIntyre plays Steve. Cool. Uh, let's see, Jen Burton. Mm -hmm. She is doing an amazing Wisconsin accent. Um, right. Yeah, if you have any affinity for um, Wisconsin mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the holidays. Right, right, right. Uh yeah, and that's on all the you know Chris, uh, Christmas Steve. Yeah, yeah, like I, we we did it last year. I hope it all aged well. I haven't listened to it recently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know uh, we're still in this uh, pandemic, and I'm assuming you know that was it was written under sort of similar conditions. So yeah, yeah, you know we were talking about rom coms before. I, f right. I feel okay bringing up a rom com. Cool. Well, check that out. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I'm Jake Kroger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com. Uh, at the Comedy Bureau across socials. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Not the Supermarket and on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. There's so many great causes to support this time. Please support those. But if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau because it's been running on 11 years, uh, you know, with just me. It's just me. I already said that, but uh, yeah, it's just me running it. And um, 
Is is there anything you'd like to say as we sign off, Sean? You are a poet, uh-huh. Jake. <laughs> oh, you thank are you. a treasure, mm-hmm. and you are appreciated. Oh, thanks. I appreciate the poet uh, thing because that's what I did at open mics before I did stand up. Heck yeah, yeah. And I still enjoy writing poetry. Um, as I like to say at the end of every episode, comedy is still happening, and please go support it. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. <laughs>